0: Thank you for tuning in this week's episode. If you enjoyed what you're listening to, please go ahead and give us a five-star rating or a thumbs up wherever you are listening to us. It, it, all of it helps. If you are in the Wasilla Palmer area, we encourage you to check out one of our favorite restaurants and our sponsor, and that would be Edelweiss German Restaurant over off the Palmer Wasilla Highway, right in the Garrett Medical Building. Now here we go. We'll get into this week's show. All right, everyone. So we are here with uh, Jimmy and Susan of Wildlands Chocolate. And um, this is actually an interview I'm very excited about. They are a uh, chocolate maker here in Anchorage. And they are already tempting me with all this beautiful chocolate. But I will let them kind of introduce themselves and their company. And we'll go from there.
1: Hey, thanks for having us, Mitchell. This is great. We're really looking forward to showing our chocolate with you. And talking about the process of how to make bean-to-bar chocolate, uh, yeah. So my name is Jimmy, and my partner Suzanne and I have been working at making our own chocolate for about a year and a half or so. So we uh, we, we have kind of gone in
0: uh,
1: off the high dive head first.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and what what got you guys started in chocolate?
2: Um, hey, so this is Suzanne and. Uh... Yeah, we, we were traveling through Central America, and we took a class that we thought would be a lot of fun, and we got totally bitten by the bean-to-bar chocolate bug and discovered we absolutely loved making chocolate. And um, I have a number of food allergies and restrictions, so it's actually really hard for me to find chocolate that's safe for me to eat because of those allergies. And so it kind of opened up this whole world of us being able to make chocolate that was safe and we, we discovered, you know, all of these amazing flavors in chocolate. Apparently, chocolate has more flavor compounds than any other food, including more than wine and coffee, but I think we're, we're really used to kind of industrial chocolate, where a lot of that nuance and a lot of those very cool flavors get taken out for consistency, or they maybe aren't using as good of cacao, but there's this incredible rainbow of flavors that are possible in really good chocolate, and so... We, you know, just got completely hooked on trying all the different flavors, trying the different origins. And then we started learning a lot more about kind of the, the history of cacao and a lot of kind of the human rights issues around it and about the stories of the farmers behind it and about fair pay and fair compensation for the farmers. And, you know, just, yeah, absolutely love, love supporting a movement to do, to do better by those farmers and also make this incredible chocolate
0: that is fascinating. I mean, it's been, uh, I know I've learned a little bit about chocolate through some other guests, but they they have uh, a little bit different process for theirs. So so fascinating to learn because I have the palate of a five-year-old when it comes to chocolate. Mine is like <laughs> Reese's Peanut Butter <laughs> Cup is like the bomb chocolate. And that's about as far as my wow. chocolate uh, Personally goes... Well, this will be the ultimate test. <laughs> be, be able to tell the
1: difference between the chocolates.
0: And so we're sitting here looking at We got a few jars lined up. And uh, we're going to do something a little bit different on this episode than we normally do. Uh, they want to do a little taste testing. So we're going to taste a little bit of chocolate. Kind of hear about some of the history of it. And kind of see where uh, it goes from there. Yeah, so I, I think uh, we were talking earlier. And we will have a...
1: A chocolate tasting, and then we talk a little bit about it, and then and then we can kind of you know move on to another one and, and sort of sample these different chocolates as as we're talking about how to make chocolate and you know what some of the flavor compounds can come out of it. Uh-huh. So so there is there is a way to taste chocolate, right? And it's not it's not just something that you just chunk down and smell, <laughs> right? you, don't, you don't just let it disappear in your mouth and, and say you know it's gone, right?
2: Especially, like, really good dark chocolate. Like, it's, you don't want to just chew and swallow. Like, it's not like you're having dinner. I mean, you could have this for dinner. (laughs) (laughs) It would be amazing. Sounds like a good dinner to me, I'm just saying. (laughs) Any time of the day. But, you know, one of the things that's really fun, especially about this style of chocolate, which is bean to bar chocolate, where we actually take the cocoa beans themselves and we're making the chocolate from scratch, is that the flavors change as you're eating them. And so you can start with like one note. You could start with like a fig note and maybe a little later you hit kind of a hazelnut note in there and maybe it finishes with a coffee note. So it's it's fun to kind of see how the flavor changes because it, it isn't always the exact same flavor the whole time you're eating it.
0: It, it sounds like a very uh, complex wine <laughs> or I, I work in cheese and it's kind of that same way. I mean, it, a lot of the fine higher end cheeses will have so many different flavor notes. hmm. So, so the one I've just passed out is called Ucayali, and that's
1: the name of the, the area where the, the bean is grown. In Peru. In Peru, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, so, it's, and this one is, is very chocolatey. We started off with one that there's not too many wild fruit flavors or any sharp cinnamon
0: or, or earthy flavors. It's, it's just a good fudge, dark chocolate. Oh, that is really good. I mean, it has, leaves a nice coat on your palate that little bitterness from the chocolate. Kind of a natural milky texture on it too.
1: Yeah, I, I like how it, you know, it just kind of, it, it comes at you right away. Cause, so back to how you taste chocolate. What what Suzanne and I like to do is we like to put it in our mouth and we'll take one bite. And that kind of just opens it up. And then once we, once we bite down, then we just sort of let it dissolve on our tongue.
3: The aftertaste is kind of citrusy orange i don't know if it's an orangey kind of thing Mm. it's very good
1: yeah and what's really interesting with this bean is well with all beans is depending on how we make the chocolate the flavor of this one bean can change if we roast it a little bit or if we roast it a lot totally change the complexity of the chocolate that we're making this one for example if we roasted it really hard you would really get a, a fudge and a, and a dark, rich chocolate. But if you keep it on the lighter side, you're going to get more of those maybe fruit, citrus notes. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the tasting notes with this one is fun is because it's cedar, like the wood, huh. cedar. And we did have one batch that we made, and that
0: tasted a lot
1: like cedar.
0: It was pretty wild. That would be interesting. <laughs> yeah. So now, uh, speaking of uh, kind of roasting them, so kind of if you just kind of want to give us a quick breakdown of what that process is like from getting a bag of beans in the mail, I assume. Probably a UPS <laughs> package at least. Don't think they fit in the mailbox, but yeah. from when you get yeah. a, a, a shipment of beans in, if you want to kind of just give us the quick kind of rundown of how that whole process works?
2: Yeah, getting cocoa beans up to Alaska <laughs> is, is quite a feat. It's an adventure. Yeah. It's hard
0: enough to get a letter yeah. <laughs> yes. from the lower 48 yeah. here on time. I can imagine beans. Obviously,
2: yeah. Anybody who lives here and has dealt with mailing, shipping, anything can probably relate. Now imagine trying to mail or ship a 50 or 60 kilo bag of cocoa beans. (laughs) (laughs) And you add a whole layer of adventure that, you know, for us has ranged from anything from... You know us actually traveling and literally like trying to use all of our baggage to just bring suitcases <laughs> a beans home you know a little earlier on in our process you know to now it's like we we recruited a family member to actually go and there are a couple uh, kind of collection spots like bigger warehouses for cacao that's brought into the united states and so, like, we had a family member actually go to one of those warehouses and pick it up just in order to be able to put it on Alaska Airlines cargo for us to get it from New Jersey to Alaska. But it's it's an ordeal shipping things here. And it's, you know, it's it's hard because it's a huge part of the cost yeah, absolutely. of yes. bringing our beans up here. I mean, the shipping cost to get them here can, yeah. you know, up our, our cost for getting the cocoa beans, you know, upwards of, like, 50% of the cost. So... It's um, logistically and like financially <laughs> a, a real challenge to get our cocoa beans up here.
1: So once we have them, right, what we do is we, we roast in one kilo batches. So we're really a small batch bean-to-bar chocolate maker. So one kilo is not very large. It's 2.2 pounds. And what we'll do is we'll roast it for in a drum roaster. And, we'll ro- and it's very much, it's just like the same way you roast coffee. Okay. You know, it's very similar to roasting coffee. So we have our drum roaster, which will we well we roast anywhere from what would you say fifteen maybe up to thirty minutes depending on how we want to make the chocolate you know, and that's quite a wide range. A lot of times we're somewhere in the middle of that pretty
2: consistently. Yeah, usually we're about fifteen to twenty minutes, and and what we do is called profile roasting. So we you can get a sense you know from whether it's you know the farm or the cooperative or um, the company that we're using to bring the beans into the United States. We work with some great companies that are all about transparent trade, and they'll usually kind of give you a sense of like, this bean will tend to have fruity notes, or it'll, sit, okay, it'll say so. like what those fruity notes might might be, po- you know, what, what's possible in that <laughs> cacao. And then it's our job from there to kind of decide what we want as far as taste to tease out. So we, we we'll do sometimes dozens of different roasts before we kind of pin down the flavor profile. Um, You know, there's, like Jimmy was saying earlier, there are a million ways to take the flavor. I mean, if you do one degree, you know, a couple degrees more at a certain point in that roast, or you end at a certain temperature, or you do 15 seconds longer in a certain temperature range, you can wind up with wildly different flavors. So it's, there's all these different ways, all these different little like ways you can tweak the, the flavors and the flavor profile that you wind up with in the chocolate. So even if that bean maybe has a tendency to have more fruity notes, you can, you can roast it and kind of shape it via that roast. And then how we, how long we, you know, refine it and aerate the chocolate as we're making the chocolate and all of that can completely change, you know, the, the ultimate flavor of the bean. So it's, sometimes it feels a little bit like you're playing darts and you're doing like roast <laughs> after roast and you're, you know, you have the delay because it takes a couple of days for us past that point to make the chocolate. Okay. And so, you know, you're like wanting to tweak one little thing and you only want to tweak one variable because you don't want to throw off other variables. And so you do roast after roast after roast in order to try and figure out, you know, ultimately like what, what flavors do we want to highlight and what, what's the overall taste profile that we like. So
0: it kind of sounds like it's like the ultimate uh, Wine beer like craft beer a lot of the terminology you guys use here a lot more like the craft beers the The craft wineries like trying to pin down and it just sounds like chocolate chocolate's just temperamental from Literally the bean until being the chef. I've had to use chocolate obviously on desserts and stuff and I know even in that process once it's all refined five seconds and it just goes horribly wrong usually ends up with a lot of foul words and a pan being thrown across the kitchen so it just sounds like it's a very temperamental uh endeavor literally from the day sprouts from the ground until it ends up on that plate. There's been yeah.
1: there's been a lot of frustration <laughs> in this kitchen. Oh, including yeah. what two nights ago we had a very frustrating moment. But before we get into the rest of sort of the process and how you make the chocolate, I thought we'd jump into another sample. Ooh. Yeah. If you insist. Yeah, absolutely. So this one is coast from the Costa Esmeraldas farm in Ecuador. And this is the the only bean that we directly source. So we know the farmer, Freddy. Uh, it's his family's farm, and he he's a, a really good guy. And he only ships the sa- in the, the bags in 100, like 140 pound bags. And he was really nice because we were so small. And we just started getting going break down a big sack and ship it USPS in, in like those flat rate boxes. He like pulled off some beans from the sack. And, and I think when well, we, we met him this last fall at the Northwest Chocolate Festival in Seattle and uh, got the impression he just really thought it was cool that his cocoa beans
2: were in Alaska. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty amazing though because it wasn't it was possible for us as a new just starting off business to get Purchase quantity, you know, those quantities of cacao right off the bat, and to try and ship them up here. And you I know, bet so... your mailman
0: loved you for about.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was pretty fun when it arrived, and it was he had a friend who was you know in the U.S. who broke it down and sent it to us, yeah. and we got like these two boxes right off the bat that were just covered with like fifty different stamps, and, you know, like
0: kind of falling
2: apart at the seams. But we were so grateful. that us this cacao to help us, you know, as a new herbs get started since there wasn't another way for us to get their cacao and yeah. you know it was it was one of our favorites that we had tried and the favorite of a whole bunch of people that we did a taste test with and so we knew we really wanted to have Costa Esmeraldas as one of our origins and they were so kind to actually help us make it happen.
1: So you should notice that one's a little bit darker, more yeah.
3: dark. is that the, um, there, there's citric taste right up from the back. Instead of just an aftertaste like this, whenever it's completely mm-hmm. melted, all of a sudden you have this this Interesting. dark flavor in your mouth. This is straight up, it's like ooh, yeah. very not pungent, but like here I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, that's that's, one, that's why I say it's more. It's darker. It's more complex. One of the tasting notes we have on there is cherry cordial. I, I oh, can so, see that. So I don't know if you
0: can. I, I was about to say I kind of got a uh, like a citrusy. Bitter uh, taste that just kind of sat on the palate for a couple seconds after chewing it, and I could at the time I wouldn't be able to identify it. But you see, the cherry cordial <laughs> totally yeah. relate to that as soon as uh, I tried it, and this I, I'm like blown away here. This is <laughs> <laughs> so interesting yeah. to learn this depth of chocolate because yeah. I don't like my wife, she's from Germany. She's a chocolate snob and a half, and uh, she always kind of me and her will always debate. She's like, "I oh, don't know, that ain't good chocolate." And I'm like, "It's a Reese's peanut butter." Don't become a statistic. <laughs> <laughs> but now uh, I think I'm being corrupted in the very best way
1: possible. <laughs> so what we do is once we roast the beans, we let them cool down for a bit because you know they're kind of you, you don't want to um, uh, take the shell off when they're warm it's much easier to take the shell off once they've kind of had a chance to cool and shrink a little bit okay because um, so all cocoa beans uh you know dried cocoa beans so maybe i should step up um, another uh, of, like go back another step right so the cocoa bean comes in a cocoa pod which grows on a, a tree and there's 40 to 50 different cocoa beans in a cocoa pod and what they do at the at origin at the farm is they'll take the seeds, the cocoa beans out of the pod and they ferment them from anywhere from three to five or six days. And then after they're done fermenting, then they put them out in racks and they dry them. And at that time, cocoa beans are pretty shelf stable. You can have a, cocoa, a dried cocoa bean be around for a couple of years before it actually gets turned into chocolate. They're that stable. Yeah. Oh. You look at some of the larger bean-to-bar companies, and they're still making chocolate from 2017 beans. Wow. So we get the cocoa beans dried. That's how they come in those big sacks like we are talking about. And then once we roast them, then we have to actually take the shell off. So we, we do what we roast call them? crack them. And ah. about <laughs> 20% of the weight of a cocoa bean is the shell. So really? 80% no We're is working
2: on cracking one open right now. Yeah, so it kind of look, kind of that's so that's it. Yep. So they they have a husk, and then inside of that husk is the actual cocoa bean. So that's like the nib.
0: So the the shell itself, it kind of looks like a really dark, uh, Some, like walnut or
2: yeah, something like that that like people a, would
0: recognize.
2: Yeah, like that kind of papery husk that like you'll find around like a peanut or something. So this right here is. That's,
1: what you make chocolate out of? Yes, yeah. that's a cocoa bean called a nib because it's inside the husk. So that's what you call a nib.
0: So for, for our listeners at home, so the uh, the husk itself with the nib inside of it, it looked just like a walnut. We got some pictures. We'll be sharing those in the link notes. And then the nib is just like a little chocolatey rock is what it looks like yeah (laughs) but it looks like chocolate as we know it this is too and it uh Uh just looks and kind of feels like a like a rock like a little pebble you'd see it out you'd never think uh a chocolate bar (laughs) you'd probably Mm -hmm. send it back and tell tell the kitchen
2: that uh their food got dirt in it (laughs) it's kind of fascinating how does it taste yeah. Um. So you don't want to eat these because we haven't roasted them. Yeah. So you're gonna. Um. We have some nibs that have been roasted. So what we've been showing you is the raw cocoa bean, uh-huh. with the husk removed and with the husk on. So once we actually roast it, then what we do is we crack it, kind of the way it's cracked here on the counter, so that the nib and the husk are separated. And then we have a contraction which. Our version of the contraption right now we observed is starting to look an awful like awful lot like the most deluxe hamster <laughs> habitat you have ever seen. Cause it's these tubes that are hooked up to vacuums that essentially because the cocoa nibs are are heavier than the lightweight husk, it's a vacuum system where the the actual nibs are heavier so they kind of fall to the bottom in this system and the okay. husks get sucked off. So that's how we separate the husks from the actual cocoa nib that we use to make the chocolate
1: it's called a winnower mm-hmm. so you're a winnower it. a winnower okay you're winnowing away the husk
2: yeah and oh, these nothing. have been roasted so you can try those those will be safe to eat
0: all right this is just the nib itself
2: yeah that's a roasted cocoa nib it's bitter mm-hmm. it, it reminds me of coffee oh yeah i mean it, that's like pure yeah. pure chocolate so
0: so now with oh. the husk i mean since there's so much of the weight is the husk of the bean the do you, can you do anything with the husk or be. is it just kind of one of those just byproducts and you send it on its way
2: some people do um some people use it to make like a cacao tea they'll steep it and it's it's oh. like a very light um not <sighs> super chocolatey i would say no, just kind of light almost if you had like a really watered down coffee like really watered down. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, we don't we don't personally drink a lot of cacao tea, but it's definitely something people do with it.
3: I can understand why this used to be currency back in... What is it, Lion? Yeah, Just no, eating I, the straight nibs. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is actually, I have to say, because it doesn't have the sweetness. Yeah. Right. But the bitterness is, at the end of it, is actually very pleasant. Mm -hmm. Extremely pleasant. It's it's like a cocoa powder nut, kind
1: of. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I love sprinkling nibs on my oatmeal in the morning, put them on ice cream, kind of give you a little bit of that bitterness to go along with the sweet of the ice cream. That's really good.
2: We've been making banana bread where, since I'm allergic to nuts, we throw cocoa nibs in instead, and it kind of gives it like that nutty little Mm -hmm. bite to it. Yeah, Yeah, they're fun.
1: There's a a lot of fun things that you can put cocoa nibs in and add a nice flavor to it.
3: So are they in any kind of sort of form weather temperamental that they have to be like shipping to Alaska or anything in the wintertime they
2: could get hurt? The cocoa nibs? Mm-hmm. No, no, they're, they're pretty good. They're pretty shelf
1: stable. Yeah,
2: I mean, after after we roast them, part of why we let the cocoa beans sit for a little while, aside from the fact that it makes it easier to separate the, the husk from the bean, is because there's still moisture coming off of the beans. Like it can still lose a couple percentage uh, levels of moisture as it's just sitting there, and so you know, moisture is the the enemy of chocolate. Yes, so, <laughs> yeah. you know I learned
0: that one, of that is how several pans have been flo- yeah. thrown across the kitchen <laughs> with some very foul words. Because as yeah. soon as any type of moisture gets in there, it just locks up.
2: Totally, and
0: you just wasted. <laughs> yeah, PTSD. <Absolutely> right. PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it's to me. I mean, it's. Being anything with chocolate confectionery is just as much as uh, science as baker's. Oh yeah. I mean it's amazing what people can do with it. I'm like, Oh, you know what? I might go to the store and buy that. That sounds good. <laughs> so the
3: unroasted one right here, would that make you sick if you eat it? Or just or just, just doesn't taste good?
2: Um, you don't usually want to unless like you know that you're working with beans that have been handled in a specific way or where they've done testing, you don't mm-hmm. generally want to eat the fermented okay. dried cocoa beans because there is a chance of bacteria or things I mean, like that. I so. mean, oh, think, okay. think
1: about it, right? You, the majority of these beans are coming from really remote farms, and they're doing everything by hand. And when they dry them, it's not in some pristine facility <laughs> that, you know, is quality control and tested to make sure that there's no pathogens and other... Uh, things that could get into the cocoa beans. I mean, mm-hmm. sometimes they're spread out on on the ground on big concrete pads. I've and They come by that. with rakes and they make sure that they get turned to dry. And then you got the dogs running by and, and you, like, it yeah. <laughs> just kind of makes me a little bit worried. So we, we like to roast the beans yeah. and make sure everything gets killed before we eat them.
2: Yep, it's it's the safe thing to do, and and we and we want to roast our chocolate because that's how we wind up doing the different flavor profiles and teasing out those flavors. So. There's a safety element to roasting, and then there's also you know flavor element for us.
0: So now, um, when you get into like uh, white chocolates mm-hmm. and uh, different, is it a different bean, or is it just a different process? Or because I mean I'm it's looking, good, good I see segment. one right here. I was just say I see one light colored one, <laughs> but everything light... else looks uh, pretty dark. So <laughs> I've that... never thought about it. To tell you the yeah. truth, it's, it's just...
3: less amount of cocoa in the white one than the dark one, the, le- the whiter the chocolate, the lesser the cocoa percentage?
0: Pretty close, pretty
1: close. Okay. So in, in a cocoa bean, half of a cocoa bean is is solid. It, it's what we call cocoa solids, mm-hmm. it's like cocoa powder. The other half is a fat. It's gonna be an oil, right? Just so what they do to make white chocolate is they will take a roasted cocoa bean and they press it, they squeeze it. And they are literally squeezing out Oh, my fat. God. So
0: we're, we're tasting white chocolate at the moment.
2: That was the tasting. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Sorry. That was
0: just a baseball <laughs> right there. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> that was. So that's a blueberry pancake. <laughs> and I think I just fell in love. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's a blueberry pancake white chocolate. So we we also make our own white chocolate from scratch. And so this one, um, it's actually a maple oat white chocolate, oh. and then on the the bigger full size bars we throw blueberries in. And so we we play a lot with our white chocolate flavors. We uh, kinda I rotate can guarantee
0: so. any of my listeners right now you've never experienced white chocolate.
2: <laughs>
3: no, this...
0: until you experience that.
3: <laughs> the white chocolate that you buy at all the big chain or anything like that. All this—it's just sugar. That's all you taste. There's no actual like aftertaste, front taste, yeah. middle or anything like that. This is like flavor. Yeah, it's more yeah. Of the there's flavor. yes, yeah.
0: so much going on on the palate with that. And if you're dumb enough to buy white chocolate from the store again, just send me your money. I'll take care of it for you. <laughs> well,
3: we come and spend it
0: over here. <laughs> no, I mean it, it's seriously. Like I said chocolate's a very. Very new world for me. And that was amazing right there. <laughs> if anyone ever sees them out at an event, please do yourself a favor. Please try some of this because this is just amazing. Yeah. Yeah, we've had a lot of fun making
1: chocolate. It, it, yeah. you know, it's, it's a passion. It's a hobby. It's a business. Uh, and, and most of all, it's just just really engaging and you know like there's so many different flavors that you can try and explore there's so many different you know, roasts that you can do and it's just been a lot of fun to try and tease out the different flavors in
2: chocolate. I think our one of our favorite parts has been sharing it with people who haven't necessarily tried bean bar <laughs> chocolate before and you know the the craft chocolate world and you know the flavors that are possible you know with the type of chocolate that that we're bringing up here is like we love sharing that with people and having people like try this chocolate for the first time and be like oh my gosh i can actually taste cherry or like oh my gosh white chocolate actually is good and you know it actually is real chocolate
0: (laughs) it's nice because it kind of leaves like that uh that pancake batter like you just had a really good (laughs) pancake it leaves that flavor (laughs) and that texture in your mouth it's Not just a, like, I think the chocolate, you know, melts and kind of leaves that film and, you know, you move on. But it just leaves, the longer it sits on your palate, the more complex even the texture of it is compared to what I'm used to.
3: The American chocolate, for me, since I was, all I know is the European chocolate. Yeah. So whenever I eat the American chocolate from the store, it has like a a flowery kind of dusty taste to it yeah. that is not chocolate to me. Yeah. And this is It's
0: real. Real. This yeah. is real flavor.
3: This is not the, oh, I just ate cocoa powder out of, from the cheapest what I can find yeah. at uh, the store. Yeah. This yeah. Is
0: so now we've roasted the nibs. Still doesn't look anything yeah. like chocolate. Anybody's yeah. gonna know. You're right. You're
1: right. So, so what,
0: what, what's our next process from Roasted these nibs.
1: So From the nibs, it goes into a stone grinder called a melanger. And think of a stone grinder as having these two big granite wheels, at least our version that we have to make the chocolate. And there's a granite base, and it spins in a circle, and the wheels turn. And the chocolate nibs get compressed between the stone wheel and the stone base. Okay. And it runs and runs and runs and (laughs) runs and runs for days actually some of our chocolate or, can. or yeah. can some <laughs> of our chocolate runs for two days so you want this really fine particle size to make sure that it melts in your mouth really smoothly and to do that you need to run it a long time to be able to get down to that fine particle size so mm-hmm. that is done in a melanger and once it goes into the melanger That's when you really start to see what you might think of as liquid chocolate, like a chocolate fountain or something. So the nibs go in there, and as they get compressed down, it starts to release the oils, and it becomes a little bit more liquidy. It's also when we add the
2: sugar. Yeah, it's also when we add
1: the sugar. Uh, So And then that thing kind of grinds down, and I'd say, what, maybe after an hour and a half, two hours, it starts to look like liquid chocolate. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, it gets a little smoother, and then... You know 24 hours later, it's pretty smooth, and then depending on again how we want to develop the flavors, then we kind of gauge how much longer from there we want to run it to aerate it. So, so when you make them, when you roast it, you got a brand
3: new batch of the cocos or anything. Do you sit there in time? How long do you put them in and then check the flavor afterwards just to make and then? just so make oh, sure yeah. that the
2: ver- if you like this one this is going to mm-hmm. always end up the same. Yeah, we we have a very intense tracking system for <laughs> like every single roast that we do, we are tracking, you know, all of the the temperatures at various points. We're kind of looking at like the trajectory of what the temperatures were along the full time that we were roasting it and we track all of that, we track the times so that once we figure out okay, we really like this flavor profile, we know what temperature what amount of time you know we we know what all the variables are that went into it to achieve that flavor and then we take notes copious notes as we go (laughs) to make sure you know then that we can go back and replicate that that same flavor profile the next time we want to do the same batch
3: so the weather has absolutely nothing to do with any of this like like if it would be raining outside or snowing would that make a difference for making that sometimes or no? not for any
1: of the stages that we've talked about okay okay (laughs) so the last tempering tempering maybe we'll talk about tempering here in a minute so
0: so when uh you said you get a in, uh you roast a a small batch so many kilos Mm -hmm. now is that speaking of the whole uh the whole chocolate the whole bean itself yeah. from, what was it 10 yeah. kilos you said or? well so or on we'll, average we'll, well yeah so 1 kilo
1: of cocoa beans okay is what we roast
0: and after that breaks down about how much of the nibs will that will that break A- down to 80% we, no yeah 80% yeah. we lose oh, so that breaks i mean that so really we lose 20% yeah. so about to shell 20% okay.
2: with the shell and then you know kind of the little dust particles that maybe are too light to stay you know so we lose about 20 percent when we separate the okay from the husk yeah mm-hmm. yeah i was just
0: kind of looking at that because i'm like looking at that big husk and that little nib i'm like oh so
2: making <laughs> <laughs> this much and shrinking yeah. it down to
0: this <laughs> yeah
2: yeah 20 percent's pretty pretty good i think typically it's like a 30 to 20 percent yeah loss we're usually closer to 20. yeah so ra- ra- so we're actually
1: so we're actually tasting another dark chocolate right now, Anamale from India, and this one is very citrusy. Yes. One of the one of the tasting notes on there is actually kumquat. It has such a citrus punch to it. it, it, it yeah. yeah, it's
3: great. I've never had I tastes like. I've
0: never had a kumquat, but if you need to wake up in the morning, that's a... Uh, bright that's a really good good way to describe it I mean yeah. it's just it pops in your mouth that flavor is intense <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, now that one I've noticed too is a lot bitter. has more a lot more bitter mm-hmm. quality to it than even like the first one we tried yeah
1: yeah and you know it's funny I'll have I'll taste chocolate in the morning and it tastes different than it tastes in the evening sometimes depending on where my palates at how many other chocolates I've had right before it. <laughs> yeah, going
2: from the blueberry pancake white chocolate to that one is probably a little intense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we went in an interesting order there. Yeah. But, you know, it's good.
1: And, and all of the chocolate, the dark chocolate, and we're tasting is 72%. So that means 72% of the overall total weight is cocoa, is the cocoa beans. Mm -hmm. And then the other, the other uh, is going to be sugar. Okay. So if you see like an 80% or 60% or 70, whatever you see at the store, that's what that means. Right. So they put on there the percentage of the cocoa in the chocolate bar.
0: So So about what percentage does it start to go from bitter to sweet? So like if somebody's wanting to kind of experiment with chocolate Mm -hmm. and they don't have the luxury of having you guys buy, uh, where, where does it go from? the bitter to the sweet eggnog chocolate?
2: It can... I mean, it really depends. Um, you know, a lot of chocolate, like store-bought chocolate, you might have a 70% from one company and a 70% from another company, and it can be completely different. Okay,
0: so there's, like, no golden formula, like, this is going to be no. bitter, this is going to be sweet.
2: Yeah, because it can, it can depend sometimes on, you know, if it's, if it's another bean-to-bar company, it can depend on the origin that they're working with. It might taste lighter, it might taste darker, and that might be, you know, a reflection of how they roasted it, how they made the chocolate versus, you know, where the cacao came from or, you know, some, some (laughs) companies like more industrial chocolate, you can have something that says it's a 70% bar, but they might've diluted that 70% with a lot of cocoa butter as well. So you might not actually have as many cocoa solids like the nibs going into it. They might've offset some of that 70% with cocoa butter. So, you know, there's, there are a lot more variables with. Kind of your your typical store bought chocolate where they've added in other things. You know, a lot of times because they're not using necessarily as high of quality of cacao. So, yeah, so when
3: yeah, it it's says milk chocolate,
2: is there actually milk in that
3: or no?
2: So real milk chocolate, yeah, would have oh, milk okay. solids. Yeah, we um, we can actually try. We we well,
3: keep generally. everything
2: dairy free, so um, we we do a coconut version of a milk chocolate ourselves, but. Yeah, nice. typically you're going to have milk solids in there.
1: And We're actually doing another for those listeners. We're doing another little tasting of another chocolate bar, and this one is Camino Verde, also from Ecuador. And this one is one of my favorites. It's actually uh, it tastes like a little bit like cinnamon. Mm-hmm. There's a yeah. hint of cinnamon in there, and it's it's such a unique bean um, to roast. Uh, and you know, as I I just love this one
0: personally. Yeah, definitely that cinnamon mm-hmm. kind of has mm-hmm. that tropical, tropical taste to it, too. Like you feel like you're, you're not in negative 30 degree <laughs> weather in Alaska. <laughs> Either, I mean, that's kind of the best way I got to describe it is it yeah. makes you feel tropical.
3: It's not be so dramatic. It's not negative 30. It was 18 today. <laughs> <laughs> next, oh, negative next 18.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so... After the chocolate is done grinding, maybe back to the finish the process, after it's done grinding in the melanger for two days, then we have to pour it out into our chocolate molds. But before we can pour it in the molds, we have to do what's called tempering. And I don't know if you're familiar
0: with temper. But, but I this, know this is where it all goes wrong. This is where this it all is goes where wrong. all goes this is where wrong. wrong.
2: I, we know that from listening to the Homer Truffle episode, too, <laughs> like, I mean, any chocolate person, whether they're bean-to-bar they're warm, or, yeah. like, doing confectioner work. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. This it's is like where one the
1: temperature of, of, of the room can impact. Everything. Humidity. Yeah, and so many variables. How cold are your molds? Are they warm? Are they hot? I mean, just so... With the colder temperatures in the wintertime making chocolate our house is a little bit cooler so (laughs) (laughs) we've started warming up our molds in order to make them you know not fall out of temper but last night i actually warmed it up too much and i overcooked the crystals in the chocolate (laughs) and i (laughs) not want it falling out of temperature or temper So there's so many different variables to it. Yeah.
2: And like this last summer where it was such a hot summer up here, it was like we picked the hottest summer ever in Alaska to start a chocolate business. So it was, it was interesting timing trying yeah, to sure. battle all of the challenges with yeah. tempering chocolate. But yeah, I was say, this
0: sounds like the stage where you go from Chef Gordy to Bill Nye the Science Guy, <laughs> oh, yeah. real quick. Especially <laughs> when it's yeah.
3: 95 degrees yeah. and nobody has a So i here. Yeah.
0: Um, obviously, heat chocolate never get along. But is it does art extreme cold? Does that? Affect it like the heat does, or is it more the heat's the nightmare, and you can, the the cold's just like annoying little cousin. It's it's more chocolate likes
1: once it's once it's you know once you have chocolate that's liquid, and you're trying to make it tempered, you want to actually destroy all of the crystal structures that are in that chocolate. Make sure it's really hot, so you destroy all the crystal structures, and then actually temper it. You're going to cool it down. You're going to cool it down to somewhere around 80 degrees Fahrenheit. And by doing that, you're building different crystal structure types in that chocolate. Okay. And not to get too complicated, but in order to temper it, you have to raise that temperature of the chocolate back up to, let's say, 88 degrees Fahrenheit. And by doing so, you destroy all the bad crystals that you don't (laughs) want. And you're only left with the one crystal that you do want, number five. In at eighty-eight point one, it all goes wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very so, finicky process. So it's a matter of heating it up really high, then cooling it down, and then <laughs> heating it back up part way to get the crystal structure you want. And it's very temperamental.
2: But that's what it's what you you know when you get a chocolate bar and it has that nice snap to yeah. it, mm-hmm. you know, or it doesn't maybe if, especially if it's a dark chocolate, it doesn't melt in your hand immediately. You know that's that's what you want to go for because it you know it also makes it more shelf stable but you know for dark chocolate you know the cold side of it for your question you know i don't usually recommend eating super cold chocolate especially the dark chocolate because then you kind of have to wait that much longer for it to start melting in your mouth and developing and well that's a yeah we're looking at an out of temper bar right now the so coconut one? That when we they were explaining to that
0: to us, we uh, had another sample of a uh, coconut. This yeah. is our version of a milk chocolate bar. This Let's is my favorite coconut.
3: so far. It, it, <laughs> I love coconut, and ah. this is like the better version of um, an almond oil Ah, <laughs> there you go.
0: Nice. Yeah, it really... I can
3: taste the coconut out there. It's like yeah. I'm eating a... A piece, of, the white piece of the I, coconut. I, I kinda feel like
0: I dressed wrong. I feel like I should have worn a Hawaiian shirt over here. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's just amazing. It, it really does. It's like, I, I've heard winos talk about uh, how this wine will transport you to France, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Well, I, I kind of get it now. Like, it, the, the chocolates really do make you taste other places.
3: Mm-hmm. Like,
0: it's kind of weird to explain, but it just, it, it works.
3: <laughs> I noticed something, because I think the nips are absolutely fantastic. <laughs> I've been eating them the entire time. But every time I eat one between chocolates, it's like it cleanses my palate in
1: between. Oh, fun. Yeah. So it's
3: like, I can actually taste this chocolate, because yeah. this leaves an aftertaste in my mouth. Yeah, This tastes really, really good. But there's no aftertaste, really, that oh. lingers. Oh,
1: interesting. <laughs> I, we learned something this past fall. What professional chocolate tasters use <laughs> to cleanse their palate? It's cold polenta. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that
1: sounds horrible. Apparently, that's the ideal palate cleanser. I, I think I'll stick to a palate
0: cleanser. I think I'll stick to being a sushi taster <laughs> yeah. and be able to use ginger to cleanse my palate. Not, oh, oh, that just sounds uh, horrible. I stick with this. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we are looking at a bar here.
1: Yeah, this is one that, remember I said last night I heated up the mold too much? It got it too hot? Yeah. So when I poured the chocolate into that mold, it was too hot, and it went over that 88 degrees. You know, probably was <laughs> into the 90s. And by going into the 90s, I destroyed the crystal structures, which I was trying to build. So you can see where it uh, has a little bloom <laughs> on the chocolate bar.
3: It looks kind of cool, though.
2: Yeah, and there's nothing it, wrong with it. There's that, I it, mean, tastes it. It tastes fine, but it's it, it, going to
3: be... So it just destroys the look of it, not it the flavor
1: of it. And it, it won't have that crisp oh, snap.
2: Oh, the snap. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it'll melt a lot faster in your mouth. Okay. Exactly. So like whenever we're we're trying to dial in flavors for our bars and we're pouring out samples, we always temper them. Because if it's untempered, it actually melts sometimes so fast in your mouth, it's really hard. It's so fleeting to catch the flavors and to catch some of the nuances and to really figure out if if you like everything, because it tastes so different when you get all the flavors kind of quickly with the untempered chocolate versus tempered where you can kind of develop it a little more slowly and experience some of the different notes along the way. I'm horrible
3: because I put my, I like my chocolate out of the freezer. (laughs) Oh, no. <laughs> because it lasts. Longer. I'll, I'll send her out to the car.
0: She she can go set in the car for the rest. So of So you, you
1: can see. Well, actually, you can't see. So I'll tell you <laughs> how how we're eating chocolate and where the chocolate's coming from. Suzanne and I actually use mason jars, with you know that are, can be sealed. So that's how we store our chocolate. Is in mason. At least the ones that we sample, we store them in mason jars, and we just keep them in the pantry. We don't we don't put them in the refrigerator, especially because chocolate can absorb other flavors. Mm-hmm. In the freezer, uh, it can over time it can absorb the flavors too. If you have a chocolate bar that you seal really really well and you put it in the freezer, probably be okay and not lose as much flavor. But I can't really say. Uh, I think the best way to store chocolate is in the pantry somewhere at a constant temperature in a sealed container. That won't allow it to pick up any other flavors.
3: Well, chocolate usually doesn't last very long in my household. so <laughs> It's in the freezer enough to get ice cold. Ah, um, yeah. Maybe an hour. Depends on how thick the chocolate is. And um, then it gets destroyed.
0: <laughs> so at this point, when you're... Uh, I know we've talked a lot about bringing out the citrus flavors. the All the different flavors during the roasting process. Uh, is there... Anything you add besides the sugar, like will you add like some fruits or because I know chocolate being very temperamental, can't do moisture, but uh, is there any time you add stuff to the chocolate to get those flavors or is it all in the roasting process?
2: So, our, our dark chocolate are just they're all just two ingredients, so it's just the cacao and organic cane sugar. So we aren't adding any of the the flavors that go into that chocolate. Okay. We do separately do some, we, we kind of play with some side flavors, like our white chocolates, we do flavors. Um, like you tried the blueberry pancake one, or we just hey, did a Jesus. rose one. <laughs> <laughs> so like those we'll play a little bit more with flavors or we'll do some inclusion bars. Like we just did a coffee bar with some Uncle Leroy's coffee roasted locally. And nice. you know, that one's a lot of fun. and.
1: So the one I just poured out was the coffee bar maybe made Leroy's coffee.
2: Yeah, so we, we kind of do that. Oh, like... I can smell the coffee.
3: <laughs> it smells so good.
0: And it just like that coffee just kind of punches you right in the sinus even though mine are plugged up to <laughs> no end. But I mean, it kind of just fills your whole mouth with that coffee taste. That is Ooh. really good. That is like the best mocha ever. Yeah, Yeah. <laughs> we called the chocolate bar double shot. Yeah, oh that is. This has been really just an amazing process. So, like Suzanne said, we have our dark
1: bars with just the two ingredients, and then we have the white chocolate inclusion bars, where we'll add things like coffee grind or um, rose petals. Or we did a, a bar before Christmas with um, rum. So we took the Ooh. we took the cocoa bean and we soaked it in rum, and then we poured the rum out and we dried the cocoa bean back out because you don't want liquid in chocolate. So we dried the cocoa bean back out and then made chocolate with it. So it kind of infused
2: the chocolate with rum from the get-go. That sounds (laughs) amazing. That sounds amazing. And we were thinking, it was funny, we actually wound up having to dilute it down a bit because apparently pouring a whole handle of rum on a batch of cocoa beans means it will taste like rum. (laughs) But we had a lot of fun with that one. So (laughs) now
0: that we've uh, teased our listeners for about the last 50 minutes here, and their mouths are probably watering, Now, if uh, people are up here in the Alaska area, where can they find you guys? Where can they find your chocolates?
2: So, during the summer, we do farmer's markets. Uh, We do the Fire Island Farmer's Market every week, and the Anchorage Midtown Market, which is a a new one, is going to be coming back this summer. And then our website's really the best place to check for us outside of the summer season because we do pop-up markets around town, and we have other things like an event coming up. We're doing a tasting at the... uh, at the museum um, in early February and then doing some other pop-up shops around town so yeah right now we're not in stores yet but um, we're, we're doing pop-up shops and yeah our website at wildlandchocolate.com is the best place to figure out where we're popping up
1: and you could follow us on Instagram too because Suzanne's <laughs> always, always posting fun little stories and photos of our chocolate events.
0: That's, that's honestly where I see you guys the first time nice. was on Instagram and I was like Ooh, that looks good. Let's reach out and see if they would be interested. <laughs> and it's uh yeah, I highly recommend anybody that gets the chance. Obviously I highly recommend wildland chocolate. But if even if you don't can't get up here to Alaska, you gotta try some small craft chocolate. I mean, this is a whole other ball game. It's like going from drinking PBR beer to being able to have a true craft beer. I mean, it's that night and day difference just in the chocolate world And uh, so one thing I always do like to ask because I mean I know Sustainability is a huge part here in Alaska and I know it's important to you guys you were talking about the uh, Fair trade fair practices. Where do you see the chocolate business going in? even up here or just generally in the next five to 10 years? Because I mean, it's, I know with uh, the median stuff, there's been a big shift in the chocolate world. And we've had other guests talk about it. So from your perspective, where do you see it go in the next five years? And where do you guys want to be at and part of that?
2: Yeah, no, there's, there's a lot to unpack there for sure. <laughs> um, I mean, I have what I would hope to see for the chocolate industry. You know, I think what what we have seen with bigger chocolate, industrial chocolate, is that they still are not doing a good job of tracing back their cacao. And, you know, they're they're not making sure that farmers are being paid a living wage for what they're doing. And um, as a result, there have been a number of issues around child slavery, slavery in general, and really horrible human rights practices associated with cacao, um, especially in West Africa. And so, you know, I think the, the bean to bar movement is is a movement to, to try and address that, to, to do a better job of, of sourcing cacao, doing it in, in, in an ethically responsible way, making sure farmers are getting paid right. You know that they're not even just getting quote unquote, you know fair trade, but better than that and that you know we, we know where our cacao is coming from and if we're not sourcing it directly, you know in the case of like Costa Esmeraldas, we know, you know a lot about where it's coming from we've met the people who you know founded and are working with the cooperatives we've done our research and I, I think the bean to bar movement while tiny relative to industrial cacao is this this movement that is is sparking across the world across the country um, where people are, are trying to do a better job of sourcing their cacao in good ways that do right by the farmers and and by everybody in between um, to make sure that you know, not only do we get this amazing chocolate because it, it is also amazing chocolate an incredible nice. cacao, but that we're also doing it in an ethically responsible way. So I, I hope that this movement and awareness around cacao and some of these ethical issues continues to, to build and that people have more awareness as consumers about the fact that that there is this movement to try and do do better by cacao we're tiny, but, you know, every little bit counts. Um, Rome wasn't built in a day, right? Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, and industrial cacao is, it's huge. And Look it's, where the
1: craft beer industry was a decade ago, right? 20 yeah. years ago. I mean, there 20 years ago, there probably wasn't much of the craft brewery scene going on.
0: No. You know,
1: and same thing with the coffee, where you, you find people appreciating sort of the smaller batch, homegrown uh, quality that can come from, you know, these organic operations. And that's the same thing with chocolate so chocolate is very much alive and well and our hope is that people will appreciate a five dollar chocolate bar because being to bar chocolate isn't cheap because there are you know there's a lineage that you can trace right back to the farm and yeah the majority there's you know, two ingredients right you look, you look at you look at, you look at uh, some of those other i'm not going to name names but maybe commercial chocolate oh, bars that are out there uh, you know how much cocoa beans are in your chocolate. You know,
3: a very for small a, percentage, right? For a dollar For a yeah. <laughs> right.
2: But unfortunately, you know, the reality is that cheap chocolate isn't actually cheap. It's it's something that's come at the cost of somebody else's life and, yeah. and way it's not of good. Food. <laughs> yeah. And it also <laughs> probably doesn't taste very good in our opinion. <laughs> and that's,
0: I have seen the trend in the kitchen uh, ten years ago when I started, people didn't care where their food came from they just wanted it right there right now and now i i I support them i love them to death but i want to punch them in the face because it never fails it's always a friday or saturday night somebody wants to know where this fish was sourced from where this cow if it had enough green grass the day it was slaughtered and i mean it's just that that conscious awareness that people are really in i gotta say myself i'm (laughs) as one of those people I could care less just give me the cheapest cheapest best way to do it and now that I've been corrupted for chocolate now I understand <laughs> why because yeah. I mean I, I would probably look at your chocolate bars on the shelf and I'd be like I'm not $5 you. whoa yeah. I'm gonna just go get a, another one now for a dollar something yeah. at least half the price but now I understand it's kind of learning and evolving of why that five dollars comes in It really doesn't seem that bad when you got the whole picture instead of the twenty-second. And if you you go do if you do buy that dollar two-dollar chocolate bar,
1: that's okay. But now (laughs) you know, or at least you know that there's a chocolate bar that is five dollars, and you know why it costs five dollars. And now you can make a decision, right? Now you have the information that you
0: need to make. And if you're one of our mail listeners, and Valentine's Day is coming up. (laughs) wildlandchocolate.com, <laughs> highly recommend checking it out. You can get yourself out of trouble for a long time with one of these bars. And that is an unpaid endorsement, by the way.
3: <laughs> if your girlfriend likes mochas, the coffee one, that is the one to go. That's the way to her heart.
0: <laughs> All right, so we'll go ahead and wrap this up. I'll uh, give Jimmy and Susan a chance to just kind of... Plug your sites again so people know where to find you and uh, any last messages you want to let our listeners know about.
1: Yeah, I just wanted to thank Mitchell for having us on his show. This has been a great opportunity to share our love for chocolate and a little bit of chocolate history and where it comes from and how it's made with all of our viewers and fans out there. So
2: thanks for having us.
0: Of course, it's really been our honor.
2: Yeah, thank you so much for having us.
0: Thank you guys so much. We look forward to keeping an eye on... What you guys are doing. and For our listeners, if uh, you need those websites or that social media, be sure to click on the show picture in your favorite podcast player and it will pull those right up for you so you can follow Wildland Chocolates. So that was our interview with Jimmy and Susan of Wildlands Chocolate. This is one of my personal favorite interviews I've been able to do in person with them and to experience their love for chocolate making. Now, a new segment I am going to be adding to the end of each show is we are going to be plugging another podcast just to give our listeners a chance to know what we listen to. Hey guys, it's Steve 86 from Food Slinging, Trash Talking Nerds. Just want to tell you, thanks for listening to this show and check out my show. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and just about any other streaming service that I can think of anyway. Y'all take it easy. Hold up, what was that?